and welcome to The Conversation, a podcast aiming to encourage natural and honest conversations surrounding mental health and well-being. We'll be discussing some pretty heavy issues in this week's episode, including anxiety, depression, drug and alcohol abuse and self-harm. If you or someone you know is struggling, please take a look at the resources listed in our bio. So, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable and get ready to join in The Conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Conversation Pod. Now, for today's episode, I am joined with three very close friends of mine from school and we talk about everything therapy and medication. We hope to shed some light on what can be a pretty overwhelming and scary experience. And as always, we really hope you enjoy listening. Um, Well, would you mind introducing yourself, ladies? With as much or as little detail as you'd want to give. I'm Margaret, I'm 23 and I work as a manager for Royal Mail. And I'm Lucy, I'm also 23 and I am a student at the University of Portsmouth studying creative writing. I'm Tash, I'm 23 and I'm a mental health nurse. Thanks guys. Um, how, how do we all know each other? School. School. A long yeah. time ago. And we are currently joined with the head girl of... I was going to say our school, but I don't know if I should do that. From the year 2009 to 2014. Jeez, scary. Um, And during that time, we had some ups and downs, um, to say the least. But we've come out the other side, and now you're going to sit and chat to me about medication. I suppose just to hear from all of you, if you have any experiences that you would be happy sharing. If you want, I can go first, break the ice. I first went on medication when I was 18. And I was really fucking scared because I felt like really worried because I was like, this is going to, you know, ruin all of my body's hormone balance and chemical balance. And so I was really, really scared of the side effects Um, and actually had a a surprisingly positive experience, I guess. And it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be when I first went on them. Um, The first time that I... um went on to medication for my mental health was when I was 17 at college and um, I was just really struggling with um, college and I had basically a a full-time job at the same time which thinking back on it now was not too wise but um, I I think went into it um, thinking that medication was going to be the be-all and end-all of my um, treatment slash recovery from the way that I was feeling and um, that wasn't the case and um, then I went on medication a second time when I was um, when 1920 when I was uh, out of education I was working full-time and I was signed off with work-related stress and um, yeah that was the the second time. First started my medication at 17 as well whilst I was at college Um, I'd been going to the GP for a lot longer but I think probably first went for mental health reasons probably when I was about 14 or so but obviously they didn't want to start me that young on medication so I'd done a load of different therapies CBT uh, talk therapy none of it really worked and they kind of said well give these a go Um, so I was on fluoxetine for probably up until the age of about 1920 I just kind of I'd be all right for a while and then I'd go back and they just increase the dose. So I maxed out the dose on fluoxetine and then moved me to sertraline. Um, and I've been on sertraline ever since. And it's actually just reminding me I've not taken it today. So <gasps> I'm still not any better at taking them as, than I was when I was 17, I first got prescribed them. So- Does yours now have the genius thing of having the dates on it? 
as in like no i have a, i've had one packet like that and i don't <gasps> understand why it's incredible I know that they say the days on the week of them and I have such a bad memory that the amount of times I would take it and then be like, did I take it? And then I wouldn't want to take another one in case I'd taken it. But I wouldn't yeah, want I'm to sure not take it. Yeah, there's been days where I've taken yeah. one more than... Well, this has got days. Once. So you can look and be like, oh yeah, Monday, I have taken it. And it's just absolutely incredible. But that's if um, you remember to look at the packet, which Lucy probably doesn't do. True. Yeah. What about you? I... Well, I have been lucky enough to not need to go on any pills. No, and the pills show off. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but obviously, because I'm a health nurse, I see them every day. I give them to people every day, mm. different varieties. And that's, I just know a little bit about what they do to you, really. So you've, you've, fair to say, had, had difficulties with your mental health, though. And something I find really interesting is how do you like distinguish from I'm a mental health nurse I know the science I know what I should and shouldn't be doing and I know why people feel like that do you now look back retrospectively at things when you were struggling and be like oh damn like I wish Um, I'd have known what I know now or do you think it wouldn't have made a difference I don't know I think that it would have just in the sense that I mean when we were growing up and we were having our struggles. I mean, Lucy would tell you that we had a few arguments where I'd be like, no, 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 you need to do counselling first before you try anything like that. You don't want to go on medication. Blah, blah. But obviously now through my training and just through getting more, well, yeah, getting more experience, um, obviously it works for different people. And a lot of time, if you're in that frame of mind when anxiety and depression is just ruling your life and someone says, well, you need to go to counselling, and talk about your problems first it's so difficult to be calm enough to open up about that so mm-hmm. for some people it's best to go on the tablets first see how that works for you and then hopefully in time you'll be ready to talk about your problems and why you're feeling the way that you are and then obviously for other people sometimes they don't need to go on medication opening up will make you feel better like which is what happened to me when I was younger and I had my few counseling sessions um that was sort of enough for me but obviously that was for me and I was quite lucky that just talking about my problems meant that I felt better whereas obviously for you guys it was the complete opposite that you felt that before you can talk to people about how you're feeling you needed to have a little bit of help with some little pill so it's a massively personal thing yeah yeah like I I find really hard if people sort of generalize the rules of you should try therapy first then you should try the drugs or you should do this and you should do that. Yeah, exactly. And I was the worst person that. And that was before I was even old enough to go to uni and do this qualification. I was like, well, I think this, I think that. But I remember when you dragged me into yeah. it's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally, she sat there like in the national assessment with me, watching me like, see, you're doing it now. You're doing it now. But I mean, to be like that, that was quite a good, that did help to a certain extent. But I think if I hadn't have gone on the meds in the long run, then I would have been a lot worse off first went on the meds in in college I had counseling through my college in conjunction with um um me going um on the meds and um I still think about the things that we talked about in in I think I only had maybe four four sessions with the counselor because she was really really booked up there were about 2,000 kids at at the college and I think um only like three counselors or something but um so obviously resources were really really stretched but even just the, the sort of three or four sessions that I had, I st- still think about the things that we talked about now. And I think that um, it was being on the medication 
it does help you sometimes step back from out of your own mind a little bit and it helps you sort of level off and 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 uh, but talking about things can really help um help you evaluate what you're actually feeling because you sometimes you don't know that you're actually feeling a certain way until you've said it out loud to someone else or until you're trying to convey that emotion to someone else mm. yeah I hate myself and never going to therapy so like I never did in-person therapy because hating yourself and not going to therapy yeah I know. <laughs> that sums it up but like I am just cynical and was naive and rubbish to be honest and thought nah it's not for me like I don't really like talking about my problems I'm not going to sit in a room with someone and tell them everything that's going on in my head and I don't know I guess I was too proud which is a really stupid thing and it's something that you know I'm really angry at myself for but I was I was too proud to admit to to go you know it was going to the GP was hard enough for me having to sit down in this room and I remember the woman she was really nice and I just went in and just burst out crying. And she automatically just like knelt on the floor and she was like, are you with child? And I was like, <laughs> no. It's very clinical, isn't it? It's a very clinical like, setting um, to be talking about your mental health. Yeah, I was like, no, do I look pregnant? Like, do I look that bad? And she was just like, no, it's sorry. She was like really apologetic. And she was like, no, it's just like most girls your age. Like she was like, in the last couple of days, I've had girls your age come in here and they just start to cry because they're pregnant and they didn't know what to do. And then I was like, well, like, you know, silver lining, I'm not pregnant. I'm just <laughs> could, could be severely worse. stressed and don't want to leave the house. But I mean, like, swings <laughs> and roundabouts. Like, I massively, massively regret not doing in-person therapy. I did some, like, online cognitive behavioural therapy stuff. But I still feel like there's so much that I should have spoken about and that I'd still like to now. What did you, you say you remember some things from those four sessions? Is there anything that stands out that you're like, wow, that was, that was worth it? Yeah, the thing, uh, the, I think the main thing that I, I think about a lot is um, I said to um, my counsellor that I struggled with the fact that um, I don't know. When, when you're a kid, you, you, you feel like you know who you are and you know what's right and what's wrong. And um, it, your, your parents and your teachers at parents' evening and stuff like that in your reports, they tell you, what kind of child you are and you I feel like you begin to identify with with the person um, that you are as a child and then when you when you grow up you, you encounter situations and you think I've actually got to make a decision about whether um whether this is right or wrong it's not um and, and that's gonna I felt like that was determining my personality and um and I sometimes I'm completely on the fence about things and I'm just a big bundle of contradictions and I don't know if I can hold two completely contradictory ideas in my head and my counsellor stopped me and she said um how about if you don't think of yourself as a finished product think of yourself um as a diamond because diamonds and they're initially dug out of the earth or wherever they come from I don't know trees the sky whatever um they, <laughs> trees they're, they're not as they're not as they're going to be when they're when they're sold they're they're cut and they're chipped and they're um they're formed into um, the final product that then gets sold. And she they said, have a lot of pressure put on your... them. Exactly, they have a lot of pressure put on them. Thank you, Lisa. Mm. And, and she said, just think of yourself as a diamond that's like a constant work in progress. And don't, don't think that just because you think something today that that's going to be your, your final thought tomorrow sort of thing. And um, I, I think about that a lot, that um, we're not the finished versions of ourselves at any point in our life, really. I, I like that. I've just been to therapy now. 
yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being funny, Tash, but I think I'm now a fully qualified mental health nurse. <laughs> yeah, where's my degree? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry you wasted £21,000, but I think Margaret has just explained everything to me. I could. No, that's completely understandable. I actually think I might have to steal that as well, Margaret. Sorry to you and your counsellor. Uh, <laughs> Is there anything? Paula. Big up Paula, wherever you are in the world. I bet she's listening. <laughs> she's an avid yeah. listener of the podcast. She's so. always listening. Um, how about you, Tash? Is it all loose? Anything that they ever said to you that's kind of stuck with you after all this time? I've been to so many different rounds of therapy. Like, <laughs> that's something else that remember. I want to talk about, which I think is really interesting, is this assumption that some people have that you like go to therapy or go to one therapist in one place and then like suddenly click with them and be like, oh, you're going to make my life 10 times better. And the amount of my friends I've spoken to who are like, I've been, I've seen three or four different people before. I found one that I kind of clicked with in a way that if you're going to have that relationship and if you're going to go to someone frequently, you need to be able to speak to them in a way that you feel comfortable. And sometimes that's not going to be the first person that you speak to. And that's okay. Yeah, Yeah. I think I was, I only saw one lady and I literally, she was so beautiful and I still remember her now. And I remember being really scared initially because when I went for, I don't know, like my assessment before and it was like just, with a random lady and she was just asking me questions of why I wanted it and I was just talking about how I have really low self-esteem and um just talking about how I hate myself basically and then she just said she just looked at me she was like well I don't I don't really see anything wrong with you looking at you I don't really I can't really see what you're worried about and I remember leaving like thinking like for fuck's sake they're just going to tell me to look in the mirror and try and love myself and that's all they're going to say mm. I'm like you're joking me but then I met this lady and she was just so sweet and she was just so lovely and I can't it's not that I remember specific things that she said it's just how not once did she turn around and try and make me feel better like oh well you shouldn't hate yourself because you're beautiful or whatever not that I was like I think I'm beautiful now or that I was expecting her to say that but I think it's just because (laughs) oh thanks hun I left the (laughs) initial assessment thinking that it was just going to be about how I'm being stupid but then I met this lady and we didn't speak about sort of the way I looked once it wasn't about the way I looked it was about the way I thought of myself and yeah, she was the light of my life and I didn't need to see anyone after that. And then again, so that's, yeah, I think I really clicked with her and I didn't need to sort of go on with anyone else after my sessions with her. I was that's so nice. Did she ask you yeah. loads of questions? Like as someone who's not been to therapy, what's the kind of environment? Because whenever you see it portrayed on like in any like media or popular culture things, it's always like, I don't know, they just seem to ask a lot of probing questions. Where I imagine and the whole point of therapy... Yeah, questions yeah. like that. And I'm like, I imagine the whole point of therapy is that it's just a space where you're invited to talk as much yeah. as Yeah, that's exactly want. what it is, yeah. My... There's not a bed, that's the annoying thing. Oh, that is gutting. <laughs> I thought I was going to get to have a lay down like they do in the movies, but no, no bed in sight, it's an armchair. <laughs> it's just a green chair in a very small room. No, I, the first session, I didn't say one word. I didn't say anything. Um, I was so nervous. And I think that we got probably about 20 minutes in and I had a little bit of a cry because I was like I'm sorry I just can't get my words out she's like it's fine and then we sat in science until the hour was up and she was like all right then I'll see you next week and I said okay thank you and I thought god she's gonna never want to see me again but then obviously because it's so nerve-wracking she just said like you can just talk about anything we don't even have to talk about why you're here you can just tell me how your day was and then I, yeah I just sat in science the whole time and then that was just what worked for us because the next time and she was very happy she was like all right just stop attend- telling me about your day and that's how it started and then Obviously, a few weeks later, I was, yeah, felt like I'd fully opened up 
and that's so nice yeah. yeah I can't imagine what it's like to sit in that kind of silence with a stranger but I suppose in the nicest way possible you were very not unimportant to her that's the wrong word but as in you were one of many people that she was seeing so even though to you this was the most scary intense and horrific moment of your life like yeah she's having that with so many people like you weren't I, anything out of the ordinary so she was more than happy to sit in this weird comfortable silence whereas you were probably sitting there going oh my god I'm never coming here again yeah <laughs> yeah and I think if it, it, it it made it easier because she was just fresh out of training as well. And she told me when her session, like, you are one of the first people I'm seeing. I've only just finished my training. So if it makes you feel any better, we're both new to this. And that actually did. Mm-hmm. I mean, she might have, listened, that might have been a tactic of hers to say, like, I'm new as well. So we both can't go wrong. Or I might have actually been one of her first people. We'll never know. But that did make me feel really comfortable. Her to be like, trust me, I don't expect anything from you at all. Um, please don't expect too much from me <laughs> in the nicest way possible. <laughs> That's so nice though, because it kind of takes away the, like, the pressure of it, the expectation yeah. that you don't have to go in and just automatically tell them that you've got loads and loads of problems. Yeah. Something else I was worried about if I did go to therapy would be that I like didn't warrant the help as much as other people. Like I wouldn't, I don't know, I'd feel like I was kind of wasting their time because there are so many other people who have it so much worse than me and I live a privileged life and like I have a nice family and friends and like an education and a home and like there are so many people who don't have those things I'm like why the fuck well, am I sat in a talent, room but they get paid either way don't they and um true also, <laughs> I think everybody needs therapy I think it should it should just be a I think it should just be part of everybody's life at some point mm-hmm. whether they agree experience with trauma or not what's your experience Lise um my college counsellor was absolutely shit like so bad it's I he was awful. He was just was he not to offend a crusty old man, but he yeah no he was an actual <laughs> counselor. He was just a crusty old man, and he I don't think he really knew what teenage girls were and how they operated. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. So like that kind of put me off for a few years, and I um I I one of the most interesting ones I went to it was basically mm. just like four weeks of. They called it group therapy, but there wasn't a lot of talking. It was kind of, if you wanted to talk, you could. If you didn't, you could just sit there and listen. They basically just gave you a PowerPoint and loads of coping strategies. Um, And I remember walking in there and I was probably the youngest person there by about 40 years. Like everybody there was kind of, of, you know, in their late 50s or had retired. And I just remember walking in thinking, does this mean I'm going to feel like this for the rest of my life? Like looking around and seeing all these old people, I was like, oh my god this is terrifying and then it wasn't until you know they kind of started explaining some of the like the techniques and they handed out like breathing exercises on cds and stuff and it was kind of like a lot of the other people there were kind of saying I wish I had this four years ago because I think I would have saved myself the trouble and the effort sort of thing but yeah that that was quite an interesting setting because I expected to walk in and there'd be like tables in a circle and you know it's the whole hi I'm Lucy I'm depressed and all that sort of stuff but it, it wasn't like that at all it was everyone goes hi Lucy yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's honestly what I was expecting but you know it wasn't like that at all which was I, I found that one quite beneficial that's interesting group therapy yeah I don't know if I would prefer that to one-on-one or absolutely hate it I think that group therapy is so good because obviously, as we said, you think you go into this expectation of it's very formalised and professional 
and you'll have to take your turn to speak. But when I went to my group therapy, um, I don't know, it, it probably helped that we were all sort of similar ages, but it doesn't just have to be about talking all the time. And even on the ward, I absolutely love the group activities that they do, because even if it's just arts and crafts at any age, because obviously I work with older people, at any age you can just bond over arts and crafts. And the whole thing isn't always about talking about people's problems. They don't force you to open up. But even if you do feel brave enough to say something, the rest of the group is so supportive. Even if your problems are so different, it's not like anyone sits there and judges you and says, oh, my problems are worse than yours. And then they have their own solutions and you learn from others, like their coping skills and their coping mechanisms. And you can sort of take that on board as well as what obviously the like professional and therapist are saying or suggesting. That's so interesting. I, really like that. I think it's interesting with a, with a group therapy mindset, particularly if it's with things like AA or, or um, you know, NA and stuff like that. I think that that's really really helpful to have a group environment because then it's it, it's always a shared experience and and um you can identify um things that you've you've dealt with through other people's experiences and it's also yeah. the, just the classic sort of you're not alone kind of thing mm, yeah mentality is important do you still think there are stigmas around medication and therapy i think medication in particular because i think what it's the whole thing of happy pills Mm. Um, well, that's what yeah, I mean. yeah. my mum calls them happy pills yeah um it's people are all you know or, or it, conversely someone's off their meds like mm. um well, that, yeah. that kind of thing like people putting down you know natural emotions and behaviors down to medication when it's when it's not necessarily to do with that and I think there's people overlook the fact that there's other medications that aren't aren't actually geared towards improving your mental improving or stabilizing your mental health that will affect your mental health anyway like for instance the contraceptive pill I think that's massively overlooked yeah. as um as something that affects people's mental health what about you Luce do you feel that there's certain like if you were to say to people who didn't know you you know if you were to just say something about it like do you feel comfortable talking about it now yeah I, I do but I, I think that's obviously I've been on them for five years straight so it's kind of for me it's it's literally a part of my life like I have to take them everywhere I go and you know just, to me I, I don't think so but like Margaret said I can understand there's a lot of people that like I, I mean I didn't tell my grandparents that I was medicated until I was about 20 to be fair so I think at the time obviously being younger I kind of thought oh you know I don't want my family to think that I'm unhappy because you know I've got a wonderful family we all get on really well you know I, I, like you said earlier like I didn't have anything necessarily to be depressed about. I kind of felt like maybe if certain family members found out I was medicated, they'd be like, oh, we're letting her down. Like, you know, is, is this something that we've passed down through generations? Is it our fault? Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's a stigma as much. I think that was probably just more my anxiety brain <laughs> going yeah. into overload. But no, I mean, I, I if I tell most I don't tell people I don't go hi I'm medicated hi like it you know if they ask I you know I'm I'm not scared to talk about it so good speaking about um taking medication and stuff did you did you have any side effects because I know before I went on them so I did a stint from what 2016 to 2019 then came off them for a bit which was tragic then went back on them then went off them again and I'm now back on them and this time around, I definitely noticed more side effects than I did when I was sort of 17. I found that I felt really nauseous, like my sleep was terrible. My skin went really dry. 
like I don't know the science I don't know if that was just because I was stressed or like if they were related but it was something that I was really worried about the first time I went on them but the first time I went on literally nothing changed and I was like they're not working because I didn't even feel worse I just didn't feel better like nothing changed at all for probably about three weeks and then I slowly was like okay I guess I feel slightly better um but did you have anything that you were like I like I don't know if I want to keep doing this because this is really horrendous or did you take them and were like oh it's not actually that bad I I had quite a few side effects but none that were that disruptive to my life to stop me to want to take them like the positive effects they were having on me outweighed the side effects uh one of the biggest side effects that I have always had is just crazy crazy dreams like super surreal not not always nasty dreams just really really surreal and they're they're often a lot stronger the later I take my medication as well interesting yeah that that's I I don't know if that's like an actual thing or if it's just I don't know like should we ask our professional is that an actual thing Dash um yeah yeah (laughs) sorry I don't know why I said that so excited like yes well done (laughs) what is the science there then if it affects your dream like what does it do what do they do so basically SSRIs the most common antidepressants for most people should go on selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors so with I don't want to say most cases of depression because everyone's depression is different but it is associated with low serotonin levels in the brain so serotonin serotonin is your happy chemical in the brain and more levels just mean that you feel calmer and you feel happier and if you don't have enough of it it causes depression anxiety so the reuptake inhibitors basically stop your brain from reuptaking too much serotonin so it leaves the serotonin to just go around in your brain so you can live your daily life as happy as possible really so that's what it does obviously you have a load of brain chemicals in the brain as you would expect, loads of neurotransmitters and any medication that is going to alter that, that's going to increase the neurotransmitters and the chemicals or decrease it, um, it's just going to affect a lot of a lot of your body. So in relation to dreams, because you've got more going on, I think that they think it's more related to the REM part of your sleep, so rapid eye movement. And I think that, I have to say I think, because I don't want to say definitely in case I'm very wrong, but... Um, I think it doesn't take you as long to get into that part. So the part when your heart is racing, and that's usually the most intense part of your dreams, because it doesn't take you very long to get into it, it can feel like it lasts longer. So that could be why it causes the vivid dreams. Um, and nightmares, a lot of, I think people have more nightmares than positive dreams when they're on antidepressants. But there isn't really a definite answer for it. The brain is a big and wonderful thing. I can tell everybody about how um, I literally was unable to have an orgasm when I was on antidepressants but were you yeah literally like well it was incredibly hard anyway I don't think I'm the only one either it was it wasn't even so much that I found it harder it still affects this it still affects me to this day it's a bummer isn't it Lucy literally (laughs) well (laughs) (laughs) it's something um, that people don't talk about though people don't talk about yeah, it enough it's what people don't talk about females female libido enough anyway but I mean it's yeah. even I mean I never it it was something that I'd never ever thought about that was the main side effect that I felt from it was apart from obviously the like your mood leveling off eventually because for me it takes like a full six weeks to for it to feel any effect anyway 
but um it's the fact that like if I was with someone I would and you'd think oh god am I really attracted to this person um is it is there something wrong with me and then I just noticed the pattern that it was when I was on antidepressants I found it near near nigh on impossible to orgasm and um I also didn't have any any kind of libido outside of sexual relations with another person anyway so for me I think that you should put your your mental stability above um <laughs> above your sex drive anyway unless your sex drive is something that massively affects your mental health but um yeah and it, it kind of makes you think like is this is this just me is this the drugs or is is this gonna is this gonna be the way forever or especially when you start them young I think um when you're a teenager and everything's geared around sex when you're a teenager mm. so and you're still kind of learning your body at that point and especially learning your body around other people as well like yeah definitely how are you supposed to know if that's normal if you, you know if you've not really had that many orgasms with other people before then how do you know if it's the meds or you know yeah. if you're doing you, something wrong or if they're doing something wrong and or, I feel like it can be hard to explain to a, a partner as well that you know it's it's literally not you it's me yeah <laughs> or it, it's the medication that I'm on <laughs> With, I don't know if about men but mostly with women the low sex drive can be a big problem because I mean you're depressed you have a low sex drive because you don't want to do anything and then you go on these antidepressants and it hasn't improved anything it's made worse but I think that can have an impact on a lot of people because we all know how happy you are after an orgasm and if you can't have that but... that's a very good point very good yeah, point. That, I mean you're true. literally on a downer so yeah I think but we'd all like to feel post-orgasm all of the time yeah a permanent <laughs> post-orgasm like <laughs> I think that obviously it depends as you said Margaret like it can take a few weeks to get used to it but not all antidepressants will have that effect there's literally so many antidepressants and if you are feeling just one side effect you can you know see about changing to another one I know that SSRIs are the most common ones fluoxetine and sertraline they're like the GPs go to I'm don't really understand why because there are so many other options that don't have as many side effects i read more about like fight and flight and stuff because i was writing something on it and i was like i definitely don't know enough and i was reading about like the body's um like responses in those situations and i was like i kind of wish we'd been taught this like the shit we get taught at school that is is shit yeah and I'm like I'm, that, I'm just you know cool if that's if that's going to be relevant to your line of work then great but if it's not you're never going to know that or something yeah. about actually how your body like your body's responses to things and things to do with mental health what like why can they have taught us that in like a simple way oh, I just yeah. think it'd be so much better there is no on mental health in 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 the national curriculum I think it's ridiculous I think there's um there's actually um, some schools at the moment I saw in, on the news recently that are putting mental health at the forefront of their of their curriculum and they're, they're teaching um, particularly young boys how to how to recognize and deal with their feelings and stuff and I think that that yeah. should be first and foremost in like mm. in, in citizenship classes and stuff you, you end up going through adolescence and scrambling at all the media that you can and there is so much out there these days especially for people coming up who are growing up now who have smartphones from a very young age there's mm. so much out there that it's it, they shouldn't have to sift through that for themselves they should they should be they should be taught that it's okay not not to feel okay yeah yeah they shouldn't have to find that out from some instagram page somewhere 
Yeah, there's definitely should be. And there's the market for a service or, you know, something like Frank, you know, when they would go around to schools and they would chat yeah. about drugs and stuff. And it was it was great. You need something like that about mental health because it's not only encouraging people to have the conversation, it's telling them how to have the conversation. You know, it's all great and well going. We need to talk about mental health more. But like, you need to tell people how. You need to tell people you're more likely to come across a mental health issue than you are heroin when you're at secondary school. So it's all well and good. It's all well and good at some bloke who's a recovered heroin addict come in and tell you not to do drugs. That's fine. What you really need is somebody who has been mentally ill in the past and got through that and tell you to get get through that because that's more likely to happen to you than class A drugs. You need like (laughs) all of all of the people who've recovered from something to come in and you know share their experience like you say that's great but yeah when you're that age not talking about mental health at school is mind-blowing to me it is ridiculous how you obviously have the addicts coming which is all well and good it's very lovely to hear their recovery stories but then they don't even talk about their mental health because how many people have mental health problems and then go to drugs to deal with that because they're talking about their recovery but they don't talk about the horrific mental health issues that they suffered with growing up which then resulted in them taking drugs to cope in the first place exactly and I ended up back in counseling um like two years ago because of that exact same thing and it was it was drug and alcohol counseling instead of mental health but it was all tied in together was it different it was different because it was um the I can't remember Tash you know the name of the people was it catch are they called catch 22 or something catch 22 yeah yeah because they explained um not only the um they did the whole therapy thing and they did the counseling and the um you know the mental health um um symptoms that are brought on by abusing drugs and alcohol but they also went into the science behind it and they taught me me all about um all the brain chemicals and how you can only receive so much of one chemical until your brain overloads and blah 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 and this is what's actually happening in your body when this happens that's really important knowledge to have because if you don't feel that prescription medication is for you or that therapy is for you you can self-medicate so so easily but but there's so there's so little awareness on how that actually affects you abusing drugs and alcohol or um just abusing anything really binge eating or self-harm things like that it's just like embedded into society now that if you have like a stressful day you have a pint to calm down you won't talk about your day and just talk about it sober with someone if you've had a shit week you'd be like all right I'm gonna get pissed down the pub which is so normal even though alcohol is awful for you but mm-hmm. you'd rather do that than have a quick chat to a therapist on the phone also because they cost 50 quid and the services are incredibly stressed but still all comes from mental health you have, have to accept either accept and find yourself help or somebody has to force you into it but um it, it should never get to that point I think in going back to the thing about schools and stuff they they should teach you how to how to recognize signs within yourself and and tell you that your the signs that you're struggling may not be the same as the person sat next to you and it's all about knowing yourself and um knowing what's best for you and like whether it's medication or therapy or um or you know just going and taking a walk in the park or or whatever you need to try and try all these different methods until you find the one that that suits you best yeah it's such an individual process do you think there's anything that you've learned that is like self-medication for you in a healthy way so like you say that like some people do exercise like are there anything that any of you guys do that wouldn't be your traditional you know self-care self-love thing 
but something that you're like actually like this is a positive thing for me and this is something that I do that makes me feel better like Luce I bet you're probably the same as me that you like write a lot so I Mm. write because it's I don't know it's I think it's a subconscious thing where I physically feel thoughts like leaving my head if I write them down then they're out there yeah and I can then read them back afterwards and be like oh yeah I remember thinking those things at the time and it's just quite a reflective and therapeutic process I've shown so many poems to therapists <laughs> like really I love that yeah it's just easier than explaining it it's just like oh I wrote this last night read that and it's like oh okay you know I kind of get where you're coming from now that's so interesting yeah I, to be, I, I'd reckon I'd recommend writing to everyone even if it's literally just like dumping your thoughts out on a page it doesn't have to make any sense it doesn't have to tell a story or sound pretty or whatever just I was talking to one of my um, close friends who recently had a baby and she was saying that she was she used to write when she was feeling down. I said, definitely do it again. Like, treat yourself to a nice notebook and a nice pen and just whenever you're feeling anything, just get it down. It You know, it doesn't have to make any sense to start with. And then who knows, you might even get a new hobby out of even it. Even if you're going to bin it or burn it afterwards, sometimes that can be yeah. better. Yeah. I'm such an advocate of writing. I think, like... <laughs> I, I struggle with the thing of thinking that there's things in my head that no one else knows about, mm. which is weird because I also don't like sharing my emotions, but I get this kind of guilt and I get scared if I have these negative thoughts or these anxious thoughts in my head that no one else knows because I feel like I'm then keeping a secret from people and I don't do very well with that. So even if I write yeah. them down, even if no one else reads it, it's like I've acknowledged that this is something I'm thinking I've processed it so now I can move on from it in a way and yeah. I 100% agree with you I think everyone should write whether it's just like the notes pages on your phone or like just something so that you can have some sort of release I think for me it's um listening to music and mm-hmm. um playing music really really loud in particular and also singing along to it really loudly I think sometimes I can catch myself. Um, I, could, I could sort of notice that I'm not having a good time if I haven't listened to any music in a while or if I haven't just had like one night of um, singing along to my favourite songs in my room sort of thing. So it, it's a, yeah, that's because I've always been, obviously, I've always been really into my music. But um, I think um, I, there was a the TV show on Netflix called Dead to Me and the actress Christina Applegate, she was like some <gasps> mom was she rachel's rachel's sister and friends yeah 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 and um she there's these there's a scene where she's she she, like sits in her car outside her house before she goes into her house and she's feeling stressed because um no spoilers but um there's a lot of stuff going on for her and um (laughs) she puts on like thrash metal music and she just screams into her steering wheel and she's like that's me that's (laughs) literally identified with that and i i for it's not that type of music for me but it is still music and I think that um if you if you can if you can find something like that some kind of outlet that you can that you can utilize in that way I think it's you're incredibly lucky and you should just use it to the best of your advantage really and because there's so many people that go through life I feel that don't have that are looking for that and and can't find it but whether it's like watching a movie or like writing stuff down like you guys do or um, anything I, I used to keep a diary when I was a teenager and stuff like that and I read back on it and I think oh god what a sad fucking kid 
<laughs> um, it's, encu- it's encouraging to me now to look back on those things and see that um see how insignificant they are in, in a way and I think that it's probably the same for you guys now even as adults oh, if you yeah. write something down and then look back at it in the future and think wow that really mattered to me at that time but now it's, it doesn't really doesn't really seem that bad and, yeah, I look um, back at some of the first poems I wrote and I'm like Jesus Christ why are we that upset about him yeah it's like, <laughs> it, it doesn't it, 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 not to, not to minimalize your feelings or anything or invalidate them in any way but I think that it it, it does help put things into perspective yeah and so I like my favorite thing that I was ever that I ever read I think it was possibly Matt Haig or it was some sort of some sort of poet mental health and they said something about um like everything is temporary and it was a line I can't remember it might have been him it might have been someone else and it stuck with me because something I automatically do is if I feel shitty or if I feel anxious I automatically go into the headspace of I will feel like this now forever and it it's really hard mm. for me to go actually you didn't feel this bad yesterday you're not going to feel like it in a couple of months time or if you do it's not going to last forever and having that mentality helped so much because whenever I'm at my lowest knowing that you know we'll get better is so important and it's something that I, I didn't think for ages so now this idea like this notion of everything being temporary that nothing you feel is permanent like the things you're worried about now you might not be worried about in five minutes or five years or five weeks like it's it's so hard I think when you're in it to imagine being out of it that's yeah. because you're a diamond Emily and mm. you're not the finished product diamond not the finished product <laughs> what about you Tash any any words of wisdom from a from a medical professional in terms um, of forms of forms of therapy? I think you can say that. You know, people think therapy is sit down and chat to people. I think therapy can be so many different things. In cup of tea with a mate's therapy. Yeah, yeah what we're doing right now yeah. is therapy. Yeah. yeah. And oh. the way that you said about arts and crafts earlier, I thought that was really nice. I do love scrap- I do love scrapbooking. That is one of my like I'm not artistic at all I wish I was I really wish I was you are, but no as in like I wish I could draw like I wish I could be like loose and just okay. sit down and like I've always wished I could draw it's just something if I could have a skill I want to be able to draw or paint or do something so but I love scrapbooking and like looking at pictures and like collaging stuff and writing down memories and like collating this book of memories because not only do I find it really therapeutic doing it but it's something like, oh, like you felt really shit before these things and then these things happened. So you got over it and then you had these amazing memories, which means if you're going to feel like that again, you'll be able to feel that good again or even better. I'm such an advocate for colouring, like doing arts and crafts. Like I think that, well, on the wall, especially like people love getting involved in the arts and crafts and even things like, um, what are they called? There's probably a really simple word. You know, like the colouring books you get with the lines. They just call colouring books. Yeah. That's the one. Is that just it? What, so like what a colouring else book. <laughs> what, what else would they be called? What else would that be? I don't because, know. It's a really famous book. It's called empty like, line drawings. Yeah, fill in the lines. <laughs> I don't know why I thought there was like a special word for colouring books. Anyway, colouring books, I think, are really helpful, especially, I mean, 
if you can calm yourself down to sit down still for a prolonged amount of time but I think concentrating on like not getting you know like your colors out of the lines and especially like quite difficult ones when the small little gaps you will get because all of the racing thoughts slowly start to go because you're focusing on like these little bits racing thoughts or if you're thinking about something a lot you'll just slowly see after five ten minutes of it you haven't had that thought for 10 minutes and then all of a sudden you've got this picture you're like wow I have to finish the picture now and then it takes you 20 minutes to finish the picture and you're so much calmer than you were so you can then rationalize your thoughts I love it I love it I guess that's why I like I play the piano as well so like I'll pick something that I've like never played before and it's really fucking hard and it's because in that moment you you can't think about anything else because of what you're doing and obviously that's what happens when I stress bake as well, which <laughs> is like when you're doing, if you're doing something that requires that kind of like attentiveness to it, mm. it kind of blocks everything else out. And it's also something that you're in control of. And I think that's why I like stuff like that as well, because I'm like, yeah. I know what's going to happen. Like if you color that thing in, or if you write this word down, or if you like bake this lemon drizzle, like, you know, what's going to come out of it. Like you feel in control. And you get a lemon drizzle cake. And, and you, you know get- what, Emily? I really support your stress in the um, next time you're feeling stressed, I'd love a carrot cake. That's fine. <laughs> genuinely, in my uni house, like, there'll be times when my housemates will come back and there'll be, like, two lemon drizzle loaves on the table and they'll be like, are you okay? And I'll be like, <laughs> oh. no. That's, that's <laughs> that in enough. itself is really nice that they recognise that that's... Yes, oh, right. That's like, what are you doing, Mum? And she was like, I just didn't know what else to do. So she just started baking. And mm. I was like, okay, that's where I get it from. Feel free so to be stressed in my kitchen whenever you want. We'll do. Yeah. Final <laughs> thought for you all before we finish. At the end of every podcast, I ask people that if you could give one bit of advice to your younger self, whether that's when you were at school or lose like when you when you were about to start uni, Tash when you were in your degree, Margaret when you were like in full-time work and finding it really hard any time in your life where where mental health was a big part of your life what's the one thing that you wish you'd have known or that now if you could go back you would be like oh that's what I do differently um I think my advice to um past me when I was first experiencing um real problems would be that like you said everything is temporary and your life isn't always going to um your even if your life doesn't end up the way that you pictured it might um you'll you need to trust yourself to make the best of the situations that you're in when you're in them you know just just don't worry so much about your future when you're so young because you're only it's such a cliche but you are only young once and um you shouldn't waste all your younger years um worrying about your future because it's just so obsolete there's just no there's no point doing that because life will just pass you by and the time between when you're like 15 16 and when you're 30 is probably going to go really really quickly and you should um let future you worry about future you rather than present you let Mm. present you worry about present you good job following that either of you go on oh gosh margaret that was too good oh thanks guys (laughs) uh i uh what could mine be what could mine be? <laughs> mine would probably be just get through the first introduction. And what I mean by that is I absolutely hate first meetings. Like I hate group introductions. I hate everything, as you could tell by my reaction at the start of this video. 
Um, but obviously, after you do the whole, my name's Tash, blah, 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 it's out of the way. And obviously, younger and doing my first like counseling session, going to my first group therapy, all the anxiety is laying with me for when everyone looks at you and you need to say your name. You just need to do, even though it's so basic, but then the obviously all the anxiety, your heart rate builds. And as soon as you do it and it's over, your whole body, my whole body would just calm down and then it'd be fine. So it'd probably be like, just after you say your name, you'll be fine. Just get through the introduction and you'll be fine. And I Not still that. use that now all the time. Like even at work, all the work meetings, even though I've done so many, so many professional meetings, it's just the initial when I'm, my introduction, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, blah, blah. and then I'm absolutely fine. Like my, it's like, because I had so much anxiety in the first five minutes, because I had so much, my body's like, all right, you're out of anxiety now. And then my whole body just calms down and then you can't shut me up. I love that. Do you really? Yeah. So, I love the, the state, like the idea behind just get past the introduction. That thing of like, just go over the first hurdle and then it will be easier after that. But that's such a hard thing to do. And it's so true as well, because it's it's like pretty much everything that you do always has an introduction. And as soon as you've done it, you've done the yeah. hard part, haven't you? Yeah. What about you, Luz? Yeah. Um, I'd probably tell baby Lulu that she should just go with the flow and just kind of, you know, my my life is nowhere near what I thought it was going to be. You know, if you told 16-year-old me that 23-year-old me was going to be in my second year at university, living in a different city, she probably would have told you to fuck off. <laughs> like, so just to kind of, just to trust the process really and just what happens, happens and happens for a reason and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, just to stick with it and you'll end up coming out on top. I love that. 